Are you gay? Geeky? Just enjoy hearing your good Judy's dish about the latest in pop culture? Well, then you're in luck. The boys of Flame On are here for you. In every episode, we discuss the topics that entrance us. Whether it's comics, TV, movies, drag queens, or video games, we've got you covered. So, if you're ready for your gay and geeky slice of pop culture life, then sit back and get ready to Flame On! Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. What's going on, everybody? Pat DeBerry here, and we are back again. It is November in the year 2023, and we have reconvened at the round table of pop culture goodness to talk about the things that have been entertaining us out there in the world. I'm being joined by my compatriots across the United States. Over on the West Coast, we've got Brian. Howdy. Over on the East Coast, a little bit more north of... Uh, our original home base, we've got BJ. Hey, what's up? And sadly, still in Florida, there's Eric. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Throw her lifeline. <laughs> Get her out of there. You'll be pleased to know that there's yet another couple of conservative old people moving to Florida soon. I had this conversation last night at the Curling Club, and they're like, yeah, our parents are a little conservative. So they're going to move to the villages. And I said, yep, there goes another one. Well, two. Hope they don't get syphilis or something. Uh, I also informed her about the pool noodle and whatever has replaced <laughs> that now. Uh, so it's, there uh, it's, it's the loofahs. Wasn't it the loofahs? I, I thought it was uh, loofahs. Okay, I said, I thought yeah, it was yeah. just. I thought it was just old people having sex. I thought well, I thought yes. what it was. The loofahs are their hanky code, from what I understand. They hang the different like loofahs on their golf carts as they drive around, and that's how you know who's into what. Yep. And then they can't be trusted to use an app. I mean, like the rest <laughs> of us, Jesus. <laughs> no, that's technology. That's scary. Uh, um, somebody told me that who was it? Maybe it was Chris. I don't know. We had a conversation and, and no, it couldn't have been Chris. It had to been somebody else. They were like, the villages is like super left leaning. And I was like, I don't know if I, if I think that's accurate. But is it in comparison to the surrounding County that it's in? Because I believe <laughs> Maybe. that. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, the bar Central is Florida, pretty low. Central Florida is a bright blue, like or purpley blue, uh, Orlando size dot, and then it gets red real fast. So yeah, I mean the blue, the bluest spots in the state are where the colleges are, which is traditionally normal. 
get higher education, you get people from different, more diverse backgrounds in those areas. So where the colleges are tend to be a bit more left-leaning, if not completely left-leaning. Although I know, didn't Miami kind of start going a little bit more red in the last couple of cycles? I don't know what the heck happened. I Uh, I knew like the Cubano population was very conservative, but evidently that spilled out into other uh, yeah. it, sort of like not minority in that area, but you know, like smaller uh, populations. And I, yeah, it's gotten not as blue as it used to be. Yeah, yeah I was gonna. I know. Uh, well, because they scared the shit out of them with fucking socialism. They're like, socialism is yep. coming. Nineteen fifties yeah. Cuba is gonna be the United States again, and, and but then it also impacted like uh, Wilton Manors in Fort Lauderdale. Cause didn't a Republican end up knocking out an incumbent Democrat in the last? Yeah. Are it's we crazy. surprised though? Because the kind of gays that move to Wilton Manors are kind of the problematic. I'm overgeneralizing by the way, they're kind of the more conservative gay, cis white gays. And then the, uh, others have fanned out to other communities, including Palm Springs, which I'm not saying is, is not a little conservative in its own way, but, Far, far more, I think, liberal than Wilton Manners. I don't know. <laughs> from, from my very informal demographic and uh, sociopolitical data gathering, yeah, I feel like Wilton yeah. is a shock. It, no, and that's the white gays with money can sometimes feel that they are not others. Yes, they Please feel like, feel oh, me? we can blend in with the rest and we won't be... We won't be they targeted. Go, they go gay camping in their cabins. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Made of logs? Made of logs. Got it. Yes. <laughs> uh, well, see, we've replaced this episode's weather report <laughs> with, <laughs> with a political diatribe. Hey, we're not doing weather, too? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we're getting to the point where it's going to be a sad weather report for uh, the Midwest here. <laughs> And the Pacific Let's, Northwest, too. It's like uh, all gloom and doom from now on. Yeah. I love it. It's amazing. Yeah. You'll get over it. It, it took me about uh, two seasons, and I go, I still like it a little bit, but when it gets into the long gloom, forget it. I'm done. Yeah. I dream of it. We, I don't I'm think so happy. Uh, it, was, it was overcast, I think, like for three days when I was in D.C., and it, the sun only came out like on my last full day there, and I was like, "Okay, this is fine." But no, that was like it was like twenty degrees and cold rain, and like that slow rain, not even the rain that like sounds like anything. You just open the door, and it's just cold moisture. And I'm like, "Yes, I'm home. <laughs> this is where I need to be." See, I, I think in in Georgia, you still have daylight a lot later than we do in the northern part of the the country because yeah. That's the only thing. Okay. I don't love rain and snow. Like driving in snow is a, a beast. But the thing that I did not, I was not prepared for when I moved back to the North because growing up in New York, it was what it like. I, that's what I was used to from the cycles of like daylight coming back to the, the North, you're moving to the Midwest here. Sad. I did not think I was like, oh, sad isn't going to impact me. I'm going on my fucking like third round of my God, my regular depression has tagged out and seasonal depression is here. It's so real. It's so no, no 
nobody convinced me. No one could talk me out of it. No one could adequately prepare me for the absolute existential dread that comes with a sun going down at like now it's we're recording this. It is four eleven in the beautiful Seattle Metro area. And I do not see the sun. I think it's fully down. It actually did come out today. Surprisingly, but it is down and the gloom is setting in four ten. I only get about an extra hour and a half of sun. It makes it's it's gone by six o'clock. It's but that makes a huge difference. I don't even understand it. It's biology, yeah. science. It, it it's crazy. I, I want it gone at noon. <laughs> I want it to come out long enough to wake me up, and then I want it to be dark from the moment I walk into oh. work till no. the moment I put my head down on a pillow. I don't listen. I'm not. You know me. You know that I like the one thing I hated about Florida was the sun and being hot and having it like just beating on me. Mm. Um, careful on my word choice there, <laughs> but <laughs> with just it could be overcast like, as long as it's some form of daylight. As w- the first time that first winter that i moved back up here and it got and we're not even at the worst part of it yet we still haven't even hit the shortest day of the year next month when it's like 345 mm-hmm. and essentially dark out i'm just like i don't know what to do with myself like i don't know how to deal with it so do you have a sad lamp and are you taking your vitamin d yet because let me tell you it helps it definitely helps not oh, enough. he's taking his d <laughs> 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 It'll keep you warm on the loneliest of nights. No, you oh do. You, you get a little, you get like a little, uh, you get a shark blanket like I got for my birthday and you make some hot chocolate and you put a little bit of Bailey's in that hot chocolate and then you take a Benadryl and then you drink it and then well. you watch like something weird and then you go to bed for like 12 hours. <laughs> That's great for depression, by the way. Like I can <laughs> firmly attest, staying in bed is great for depression. It just gets you right through it. It's amazing. You just sleep it off, and then you you and then you use the fact that it's going to get dark sooner as an excuse to go out and have a cheeseburger for breakfast. <laughs> Perfect. It's flawless. Like like oh no, I have to have a cheeseburger because technically bi- biologically it's lunch because we're already halfway through the sun being in the sky and if I wait then everything after is just dinner. So I mean, I'm not mad about that to be honest. Yeah. See, you've got you've got to work on you've got to give yourself the little pleasures. You know, you go buy a new bottle of poppers, you put on your weird porn, you buy some Taco Bell, you, and you just you just do the whole process in the, like your bathroom, and then you take a shower, and then you're done, and then you have a lot of ser- enough serotonin to get through you know the evening. It's perfect. It's flawless. <laughs> Sure. Flawless no, I victory. I, 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 oh, God. I just, I, I, this is the worst season and it hasn't even started. How is it so bad already and it's November? I am, I am worried. I, I, we did get a sad lamp. I have not used it. That is on me. I should definitely start <laughs> using it. It's like, I need to. But, uh, God, it sucks. So, I, so uh, when you, you said, you're saying a sad lamp, right? So it's a high lumen, I think 10,000. 
something or others. I cannot remember the unit uh, of light. And you sit in front of it with your coffee or your whatever for like 30 minutes a morning and to just give your circadian rhythm a chance to catch up and go, oh, you're actually alive and have things to do. Every day you have to do this. And if it's you do sun this throughout the it, it's yeah, sun. It's, they call it sun. It's or a sun lamp. For... Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like yeah, it's like I, for a lizard. For a lizard, that's no. I, was... I I don't have that much time in the morning. <laughs> to I don't either. No, I think it's it's not it's not something that's easy to like to remind to remember to do. And also, like, what do you just sit there? Just anyway, get a smart. No, you get a you get a Put smart you... get a, a smart plug. You plug that in. You have it face oh. you on the bed, and then it wakes yeah. you up. Yeah, you have it. You have that. You have it set to a timer, and yeah, because there are alarm clocks that do that. No, there they, are. Uh, there. I, yeah. I thought about that too, and uh, I don't think that would go over very well in this household. That's that's just not a thing. So, and then you wake up, and then you're not sitting in front of it for thirty. They literally say thirty minutes, like not far away, like it's just in the room. You're supposed to sit in front. It's crazy. This is this is where you go. Do we really need to live this far north? And also. <laughs> Is daylight savings a complete and utter catastrophe and should never have like started in the first, or should we always be in daylight savings or or whatever that circular debate? I think I think Washington's one or the other. Well, Washington specifically is advocating that we keep daylight savings time so that we always have longer evening because the morning it sucks. You don't like waking up when it's dark, but you're waking up. It's fine. It's the end of the day when you're like, gee, I'd like to have just that one more hour of light. Wouldn't that but be I have well? blackout curtains, so I always wake up in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> no, that see, that's the other thing. It's like how and that's the thing we do. Too. Anyway, yes, all of it. Embrace it, Eric. You don't yes, need the sun. Nobody needs the sun. We're all vampires now. Love it. Yeah, I I'm I'm a, very much an advocate for daylight saving time being year round. Let's go back to that and have a little more daylight in the end of the day rather than. Uh, Gross being 6 30 in the morning and i'm like full ass sun while i'm walking my dog before work crazy dog crazy talk well there you go politics and a weather (laughs) segment to start (laughs) off this episode uh well let's jump into our topics where you're going to uh talk about the things that we have enjoyed a couple of people have actually seen the same topics so some of us can talk about the same things and give our opinions which is always lovely but uh, I'm going to go ahead and toss it over to Eric to kick us off. And uh, yeah, what you got for us, Eric? It's the season of Christmas. It's time. Exactly. <laughs> and while the Queen of Christmas isn't releasing any new Christmas music this year, there are other people who are releasing Christmas music. Um, just like every year, uh, Pentatonix releases a Christmas CD. But this is their greatest hits Christmas CD. Uh, so it's got 23 tracks from their other Christmas albums, plus eight new Christmas, well, eight new songs. They always uh, tend to get at least one song, which isn't traditionally Christmas, but somehow in their arrangement, uh, it makes it Christmas-y. Like, their greatest hits has Kiss from a Rose on it, which... I feel like that's a Christmas song. I don't know why, just something about it. Because wasn't it that mentions from Batman Winter and Robin? at one point? So was it from Batman and Robin or Batman Forever? That that I think forever. Was, yeah, I think oh, it's okay, forever. 
Because if it was Batman and Robin, then I could totally be like Mr. Freeze. It counts as a Christmas song, but yeah. it's it's a bit of a stretch, but I'll take it. Um, and then uh, Matt Rogers, the comedian and actor. Uh, last year, he had his uh, Christmas special on Showtime. Have you heard of Christmas? And he has now released uh, the songs from that as an album. Um, and so that's really fun and funny and fantastic. And I've been listening to that a lot. And then the goat Cher has released her first Christmas album ever, um, which is pretty fun. Um, the original track she released as a single DJ play a Christmas song. It's... It's Cher singing a Christmas song. It it seems like it could have been off the Believe CD. Um, okay, so more dancey, auto- dancey yeah, Christmas with, music? with the auto-tuny on her voice, yeah. Um, while Wikipedia says it's the first album she's ever released with duets on it, I can't imagine that's actually true. Unless all the songs she sang with Sunny were released as Sunny and Cher and not share herself albums. Um, Wait, you mean think... Wikipedia says that she's, there's never been a duet on That's... one of her albums? Quote unquote from Wikipedia, Cher shared her excitement over the fact that there are millions of people on it and that she never released an album with duets. Interesting. I have to think she sang with somebody on the burlesque soundtrack, but, but there Actually, are actually no, no, both of her no, songs that's true. were the song solo. She sang Julia had, too. Yeah. Nobody then, else I, sang on Burlesque. The well, song. Everything else was Christine. Album. Oh, yeah. No, no, yeah. no. Um, yeah. Welcome to Burlesque was yeah. her and the band. And then You Haven't Seen the Last of Me was her by herself. Yeah. Um, I'm assuming that like anything like the Peter Cetera duet... Oh, well, those yeah, were was, their songs. With that was probably yeah. on the Chicago releases or Peter yeah. Cetera's solo album. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Uh, that's a, that's a crazy yeah. like. Yeah, it's like she she has sang with other people. I don't. <laughs> <know>. <laughs> um. Yeah, because uh, when she had the share show, there was musical guests all the time that she, she would sing with, uh, but uh, artists appearing on this album are Darlene Love. Um, singing Darlene's original song, uh, Christmas, Please Come Home. And then Michael Bublé, Tyga, Tiga, Tyga, Tyga, uh, Cindy Lauper and Stevie Wonder also appear. Um, and it's fun, share songs. That's like an if, interesting you, if you, if you liked her, uh, <laughs> ABBA cover CD, you'll probably like the CD. I kind of want to hear this because that is a, that is a mix. That is a mix right there. Honestly, all it's missing is Gwen Stefani and like, <laughs> and, and like maybe like, honestly, if, if, if a time machine exists and he pops up on the album, I did it. Prince um like honestly that's the only that's the only name missing right there because that is stevie wonder holy shit like i honestly didn't think he was still alive i'm just trying to figure out the process of getting Cher and tyga onto the same track 
I wonder for if a Christmas the, album. I ha- I Maybe. haven't listened to the song, but it's called Drop Top Sleigh Ride. Maybe I'm wondering. I mean, here's the thing: uh, how much how much of her record label does she own? <laughs> that's the real question because if she owns enough of her own space and everything for record label, cause it's like the B 52s did this. I, I preach this all the time. The B 52s bought out their old record label. So they like can do whatever they want with their music. Uh, so she has a controlling interest in her record label and she heard him and was like, that's super interesting, you know, or just was like, I need a black person on the album, which is entirely possible. Um, <laughs> She I has mean, Stevie Wonder. She does have Stevie Wonder, but she might need a younger <laughs> black person because younger black people and I know, might not know who Stevie Wonder is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean that that's that's between you and the other black people. But... <laughs> between, <laughs> between me and the council, got it. Bring I'll, it up at the I'll next meeting, BJ. I'll bring it up at the next <laughs> meeting. But but no, that 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 can have that influences. Um especially when you have compilation albums like that, how much the artist actually has controlling interest in their record label influences every bit of that. So she probably found a song that was like, this needs a rap verse who on my label is a young rapper. And, and that's, then, that's exactly. Yeah. And I don't even think Tyga's that young. So, um, <laughs> so <laughs> no, but you know, you know what I just found out about Tyga? What? He was with Avril Lavigne. Until yeah. like earlier this year, like they were yeah. in the same places at the same time, or do you like mean they, were, they dating. were dating? Like they he was inside dating. of her. <laughs> <laughs> he was. <laughs> I don't know. She could have been pegging him. We don't know. I mean, she could have been. They could have been inside each other because they were in love. So that's. I mean. I mean, from uh, Chad Kroger to Tyga, like Avril Lavigne has done it all. I'm mad at her. She is tasting. She is. She is in that bag of Skittles, and she's going to try every flavor. I'm mad at her one bit. There you go. <laughs> Interesting. Any other uh, Christmas releases that Those are, are the notable ones that I was interested in? So I'm sure there are others, but just check your local Target. Sure. <laughs> that display will be popping up soon. I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited because you mentioned the Queen of Christmas, and I did the the you know the what has become oh, it the was iconic. A, it, it was a fun "It's Time" video this year. It was, <laughs> and she has leaned so far into the defrosting theme when I she announced her tour. She included that. She's like, "The defrosting is almost complete. My tour dates are on sale on Friday or whatever." And I was, and then she released the video, and I was like. I love I love this iteration of Mariah who has gotten her shit together and is in on the joke. And uh, Chris and I are going to see her on December third for this tour, and I cannot fucking wait because run your hustle, I've, run your hustle. I know I'm not even mad at her. I listen. I'm I'm excited. I've never seen like I've seen her. I think my first time seeing her in concert when I was young. Uh, she did. It was right after Merry Christmas came out. So the encore was uh, Santa coming out and she did uh, Santa Claus is coming to town. Aww. But this will be my first time actually seeing her do a Christmas concert or like tour. So I'm super stoked about it. Oh, it is being slated as a Christmas tour, not just. A... Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. Okay. There'll be a though. There will, as has been tradition, the last two times she's done it. This is like the third year she's done 
uh, Christmas shows. Um, uh, she'll have a segment where she does like a, a medley of, of her regular hits, but the, the rest of it is all Christmas Christmas songs. So I'm stoked. And last year was the first time she ever did my favorite song of hers for Christmas song. And that is Miss You Most at Christmas time. It was the first time she performed it live. So I'm hoping against hope that she does it again this year. And I get to have that dream fulfilled and seeing it performed live in, in concert. So that's a good one. Yeah, I love it. Love it. All right. So cr- great new Christmas music to go check out. And uh, you, if you listen to any of those, let us know. We would love to hear your thoughts uh, on Christmas 23 music. And I love that Pentatonix was like, we're going to put 23 tracks on this album coming out in 2023. Number <laughs> synergy. All right. Moving on to BJ. What you got for us? So, you know how Brian's been feeling feelings due to um, the uh, um, seasonal depression and everything. So if you would like to feel feelings, I have been playing a game that I'm proud to say has made me cry only twice as opposed to four times when I played the first one and only and and less than the second one. Uh, I have played Spider-Man 2 and I beat that bitch in like seven days it came out like a week before i left for my birthday uh actually it came out a week before i left for a halloween party and i was like i'm either bringing my ps5 with me or i'm gonna beat this fucking game before i leave and i beat it the night before i left um it is absolutely phenomenal eric did you you played the first one right nope i played oh, a little it bit i just haven't got around to playing it yet you yeah. played the first one a um, little bit <laughs> holy fucking shit they uh, honestly i'm not surprised because they just dropped the game of the year nominations this year um they did an absolutely phenomenal job um the voice acting was next level uh like because you you essentially go through the whole symbiote arc uh, you go through, you have Craven that comes crashing through town. You've got Peter and Miles trying to hold their lives together very badly, which I, is, is a, it's a Spider-Man trope that I absolutely love. Just Peter and Miles just not having their shit together ever. Um, you know, doing the right thing always sucks. Um, <laughs> but no, they, um, they took to heart a lot of the critiques from the first game were just like some repetitive gameplay stuff. Um, not really a diverse enemy set and they went out of their fucking way. Um, and it is brutal. Like this game is uh, like, I was wondering how they would do Craven. Um, yeah, no, this dude's out here executing fucking people in public. Like it's not even, I mean, he's hot as all hell. I think I've definitely posted a couple of, uh, pictures on our, on our Facebook for those of you, um, yeah, no, um, the whole thing is just so beautifully crafted. Uh, once again, they have somehow made a better Spider-Man movie than every Spider-Man movie that came before it. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's the emotional beats. I still the only critique I really have for the game is I don't like Mary Jane's character model. I don't know what they were thinking. She looks not human. <laughs> I, I, I can't. 
I don't know. She she just looks off. Like when she smiles, it's very it's 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 a Ron DeSantis smile. It's it's like it hurts. And I'm like, MJ, what are you doing? But yeah, no. Um so you pretty much this one takes place, I believe, a year after Spider Man Miles Morales. And uh Miles is in his senior year of school. Peter is uh failing at every career. Uh he is uh, he is trying to pursue. Uh, MJ is uh, now officially with the Daily Bugle and having to work under Jameson. And Peter's best friend Harry shows back up after being ill. And everybody's everybody's having having a day. Everybody's having a time of it. And just from there, it just kind of takes off because you've got Craven. The whole thing with the symbiote is very interesting because in the an interview they actually took away a handful of the symbiote's weaknesses. Cause originally I think he had like, there was like a whole bunch. There was like, uh, I think it was heat, sa- um, uh, ultrasonic sounds, a couple of other things. Uh, they actually just left ultrasonic sounds and that's it. So it makes the gameplay, it makes the fights, especially the, bo- the venom boss fights really interesting because you're kind of frantically running around the stage looking for something to make noise. There's something on the stage, like a, a cop car or something, but you have to kind of lure him over. Um, and it's, yeah, it's absolutely, absolutely phenomenal. Uh, they got the guy that played uh, the original Candyman to voice Venom. And he does a great job. Like, it is it is pretty terrifying at points. And it, there's a handful of moments in the game that are absolute, like, survival horror sections with the symbiotes and everything. So, Pat, you should definitely finish the first one if you if you ever have time. I know I've gotten like a a tenth of the way through it. I would need to go back and like restart the whole thing. I've heard great things. It was funny because when you were saying you were talking about like the second and the first, and and then you were like Spider Man two. I was like, wait a minute, what? Then I forgot Spider Man Miles Morales was that in between game. So it is the third one of those weird numbering things. But. Yeah, I, I I love how and I love how they've kind of like Peter. A lot of his special attacks are robotics based, so he has like the robotic arms that come out and help him do certain specials. Miles, his are all the uh, bioelectricity, so you've got kind of you've got kind of and they're not similar in the least. Like um like Peter's special moves aren't the same as Miles. They do similar things, but they you can you can implement them in different ways. So, and I love how there's like a handful of missions I died on like six times, completely forgetting that Miles has a fucking stealth mode. <laughs> Comple- completely forgetting. Like you can literally go into the stealth mode and they all lose track of you. So you can go hide and then come back and start picking them off. But nope, I didn't even, I just completely forgot. And then like 20, like 30 minutes later, I like have something to drink. I come back and I'm like, Son of a bitch. I'm like, God damn it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, the stakes are pretty high. Like I really, honestly, the whole, I, the whole game, I'm like, I'm thinking every, like half the characters are going to die. They did not pull any punches with this at all. So like, like, yeah. So I'm very excited. I don't know. I know they're definitely going to do a third one, which will be the final chapter. But I don't know if they're going to do an in-between game similar as to uh, Miles Morales and uh, then do Spider-Man 2. So 
Uh, I do know they just did a bunch of updates. Uh, there's a new game plus coming. Uh, there should be Carnage DLC. They did a fantastic job uh, implementing the symbiote because they, when I tell you, they implemented every bit of Venom lore all in this game. You've got you've got references to Agent Venom. You've got references to the classic Venom suit. You've got references to uh, Null. There's a ton of references uh, for Null, like the Black King saga. Um, there are some uh, symbiote thralls that you fight in the game, and they all have the Null spiral symbol on their face. So it's it's I was very happy with that, and they don't really explain that at all. It's just like it's an alien, <laughs> and you're just kind of like, there you go. So no, there are some uh, there's some great surprises in the game. There's uh, so then there's some side mission. The side missions are really good. Um, you've they've got um, a side mission that references across the Spider Verse, and they're being very tight lipped about what any of it means. So they make it even include some of it. It could be a because uh, they got with the across the Spider Verse team to get permission to do all this stuff for that mission, and they were given approval. And when the uh, developer of the game was asked, like, oh, does this reference anything for the Beyond the Spider-Verse movie uh, that'll come out? And they were like, we can't talk about it. So. I wonder if that's similar to, like, the Null stuff where Marvel was like, you can include this, but we're not really going to tell you what this means and, like, why it doesn't factor in more than just being kind of an Easter egg in the game. Because the production of that would have probably been happening around the same time as the publication or just before the publication of uh, King and black and all of that. Yeah, I think so. Uh, actually. Yeah. Cause that, that makes perfect sense that they would do that. So yeah, a lot. Cause the game's been in production, I think for two years, two, three years. And yeah, so they, may on... have, they may not have had they... kind of what it was going to be about or just kind of have, Oh, include this. It'll make sense. Once the game is out, everything will tie together. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so it's, it's super interesting. They, uh, they, um, there's, yeah, there's just the, it's just, it's, it's such a love letter to Spider-Man and, and you've got, I mean, you've got miles in there. It's such a love letter to the miles. Um, I saw a really cute picture at Halloween where this kid went as miles Morales, Spider-Man and his mother went as Rio Morales. Because uh, Rio Morales in uh, Spider-Man Miles Morales is running for city council. And in Spider-Man 2, she she works for the city council. So she has uh, the, mo- the mom dressed as Rio Morales and actually had one of her campaign signs when they went trick-or-treating. So it's... It's really, really, really cute, and I just, I, it's such like, it's such a feel good game. Um, near perfect, uh, honestly, I would give it like a nine point five out of ten. Um, so if anybody out there, I don't think anybody's on the fence about playing a Spider Man game, especially if they played the first one. Um, yeah, it's uh, they. You have fall damage. You can you can actually turn on <laughs> fall damage, and watching reactors online just jump off buildings. <laughs> To try and measure how much fall damage you get from what building is probably the funniest thing to me. Um, I think you get an achievement, too, if you play through half the game with fall damage and, like, don't actually hurt yourself. So, oh, and they have the web wings. 
I don't think anybody remembered those things existed from the original comic book, but they have the web wings. So, yes, play it. If, you, if you're listening and you have not, and you're on the fence, or you need to ask for something for Christmas, definitely get this game. It is PS5 exclusive for now. I know they released... <laughs> I know they released um, all uh, Spider-Man and Spider-Man Miles Morales on uh, for PC. Um, so they will definitely do it again for PC. But this one is 100% you need a solid state drive uh, when you play it. Because the stage transitions when you fast travel are probably the coolest thing I've ever seen. And it, there's, no lo- there's, there's no loading at all. It just kind of happens. Um, so yeah, it's... If you get a chance to play it, play it. If you need a PS5, ask for a PS5 for Christmas and then get that game. There is a special edition Spider-Man 2 PlayStation 5 uh, that comes with the game. So assuming those aren't all gone, definitely add that to your Christmas list. Uh, Absolutely. Do it, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. Cute. I may have to look into that. I, I... I only sporadically play video games, as most of us know. Um, and I got into Horizon when my dad got me the PS5 because it came with it. And then obviously Tears of the Kingdom consumed my life for a while. I need to get back into Tears and finish up side quests. But, you know, knowing that there's another game that has fall damage, my favorite thing from Tears of the Kingdom. <laughs> and that's and that's the and that's the other thing. So this came out. I I um I got Lies of P which is kind of like the Dark Souls Pinocchio game, like three days before this came out. And then I also need to be Tears of the Kingdom, but generally I only play my Nintendo Switch when I deploy for work. So I don't have my... They lost my application for this uh, volunteer deployment that we have right now. But um, there's also Mario RPG, the remake of that is coming out this Friday, which was my one of my first RPG games I ever played. Um, so I've I got need a- y'all to be Tears of the Kingdom so we could talk about my <laughs> my dive into pseudo freedom. Oh, see, anyway. that'll motivate me. I'll do that. Anything, anything to talk about embarrassing things on the podcast. <laughs> Well, that is Spider-Man 2 for PS5. Check it out. If you've been playing, let us know. Let BJ know what you think. And uh, if you are as hyped about the game as he is. Um, Also, I am um, amazed that Resident Evil 4 is nominated for Game of the Year. How many years after the original release of Resident Evil 4? I am a little bit bitter. I'm only bitter about that because the Dead Space remake was better. The Dead Space... If I was going to say, if you're going to put a remake in a slot, I would say the Dead Space remake definitely deserves to be there. Or Lies of P. Lies of P, honestly, is a phenomenal game. For, for, like, a, for like a Dark Souls uh, sort of clone not made by the original studio it is there's a lot of thought and love that went into that game but i'm a little bit over resident evil 4 i never liked resident evil 4 i don't know why i was just it was never on that bandwagon for me maybe no, it was that's when it went I first person shooter Ashley. and i i was out <laughs> but yeah um i want my resident evil Co veronica remake god damn it i was just talking to somebody about that I would kill for that. Would kill right? for that. 
my favorite of the Resident Evil games. Anyway, I'm I'm not going to dive down that rabbit hole, but I was literally, <laughs> literally just yesterday or the day before talking about Code Veronica and how I want a remake of it. So weird that you say that, but absolutely. <laughs> so that is <laughs> that is uh, Spider-Man 2. Dear listeners, we are so thankful that you spend your time with us listening to the podcast. Uh, wanting to hear what we have to talk about. We want to hear from you. Check us out online, flameonshow.com. And you can check us out on Linktree, linktr.ee forward slash flameonshow. That has all of our links, social media, uh, website, where you can uh, support us by buying Flame On Swag, all of that great stuff. Uh, our, our swag shop is also on the website. All that is there. Hit us up online, tag us, email us. We love to hear from you. So uh, continue to do what you do, because without you, we would not be doing this. So again, thank you so much. Check us out online, flameonshow.com. All right. Let us dive into our next topic. Brian, pop out of uh, the time loom and uh, let us know what our next topic is. So we're going to go into Marvel mode now. I, we, we, we buried the lead. No. Um, so, <laughs> so Marvel's been going through some things, right? And I'm talking Marvel cinematic, but by extension TV. And uh, a lot of it's sort of, you know, expectation management and also right wing, let's say, criticism slash review bombing of certain movies that we're going to talk about as well. So there's also that kind of negative headwind for a lot of Marvel stuff. But one of the and, 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 and I did not see uh, the movie that we will talk about. Uh, I, will, I did not see the Marvel's movie yet. It's 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 going to happen someday. Probably no time soon, but it's going to happen. Um, but I did watch far more accessibly. I did watch their latest television show, which is on Disney Plus, And that is Loki season two. And if you go back in the Wayback Machine and you listen to the podcast where we talked about Loki season one, you will find that I was a huge fan of the style and the wit and humor and the gyrations of plot in the first season. I think it was great. Uh, Michael Waldron, showrunner and writer for that season, um, and then the cast, of course, and all the people who brought it together, I think did just an amazing, amazing job making one season of off the wall, almost adventure of the week, but with a narrative through line, of course, and, and wrapped it up in a hell of a cliffhanger ending that not only did a good job for the season and the characters involved with Loki and his cast from the TVA or the time variance authority, but also had major implications for the Marvel cinematic universe to come. So when season two came out and I heard Michael Waldron was not a part of it, I was a little sad so I was like, all right, whatever, it's fine. I'm sure it'll be still great. Same cast, still TVA, big implications for Marvel Cinematic, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so I started it, and the first thing, and by the way, Eric, you should close your, close your ears. I think you already did good. Uh, we're going to spoil some things. So if you haven't seen it yet, you should pop back maybe, uh, you know, maybe at 10 minutes or so or less, hopefully less. And then, uh, yeah, you can catch up uh, with this so when you've seen it. But uh, first episode right out of the gate, end of season one cliffhanger, they went, you know, 
we could do that. And and by the way, this, the cliffhanger was effectively in a season one, uh, female Loki slash aka Sylvie kills he who remains who is the kang variant that is ruling all of the sacred timeline and keeping the multiverse at bay so he's uh, he's dead uh tva who knows loki goes back to the tva where he has been kind of working from and having wacky uh parallel reality adventures and uh looks up doesn't see anybody just looks up and sees a giant statue of kang not he who remains at least at it looked like more like a Kang. Uh, so everyone freaked out and thought, oh, there we go. That's what that means. It's it's the tie-in. It's This is how they're going to... So season two starts. Start back right at that moment. And it turns out, not so much. So he didn't jump to a parallel world or he didn't jump into some new uh, universe or something that, 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 you know, Kang was the ruler of the TVA. No. What he did was jump back in time in the TVA to before he who remains again, Kang, but different, potentially more benevolent, but eh, who knows? And he basically went back in time to when he openly led and was building the TVA. So a little bit of a misdirect from the cliffhanger, which is totally great cliffhanger writing, honestly, cliffhangers don't have to be what you think they are a lot of times writers do it as a way to just juicy into watching that next episode and then very quickly move on from whatever doctor who's been doing this forever lots of shows lots of comic books it's mr x it's MacGuffins, it's whatever you want to call it so that's what they did and throughout the season in different ways time travel now plays a bit of a role in loki's adventures so a little bit less jumping around to alternate branches and pruning kind of stuff that they did in the first season now we're jumping around and he's like time slipping which is not pretty very disconcerting to watch tom hiddleston like morph and gyrate into this like blob and then disappear and oh god i love that scene. great effect it's a great effect which yeah. is funny because it kind of looked like spaghettification of, of if you're familiar with like physics and the what happens when you fall into a black hole you get turned to spaghetti whatever or if you watched um, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, where mm-hmm. she pulls apart, was it Reed? Where she spaghettis him? Oh, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. That was gross. So, so spaghettification happens a few times in the season, so, so that's fun. Great, great effect. But anyway, so he's time slipping around. He's figuring out, oh, yeah, I'm not, I'm unstuck in time. I'm not, it's no alternate world, whatever. But it's frustrating because he can't control it. And ultimately ends up kind of landing back in his TVA with his friends that he's worked with, gets them caught up, and then they kind of proceed with figuring that mystery out. So that's that first episode. Now, what's lovely in that first episode, not only do you get the reunion of the characters you all want to see and all this stuff, you also get um, introduced to a new character in the TVA, uh, Ouroboros, which is uh, the... Snake eating its own tail symbol, so that's that's Ouroboros, and played by Kehu Kwan from Goonies and Everything Everywhere All at Once, uh, and other things. I mean, he's been around doing a lot of stuff lately. So he uh, he's amazing. He's a great new addition to the TVA. They have some great dialogue, some great fun going down to his workshop. He's kind of the science tech like wizard, figures everything out, explains everything. So you know, there you go. You need he's a character so like that. 
I oh, yeah. absolutely every scene he was in. I love him so much. He doesn't mansplain. It's more of a I don't even know the term. It's just very meek and mild scientist uh, wizard. Like, I love that kind of wizard. I don't ever meet those kind of people like wizards like that. Anybody who I meet who is really smart, they're assholes. I'm sorry. They're not, <laughs> you know, maybe not 100 percent. But a lot of times, the smarter you are, eh, ego, meek, meekness, not so much. Ego, more so. So uh, it's lovely. It's a lovely beat to have him. And he gets he gets kind of an arc. He gets kind of a thing. I think one ding I will say on the show this second season is I don't think they did enough with him. I would love to have seen at least one more thing with his character in sort of an arc. But I don't hate what they did. And so we'll, maybe we'll talk about it. Anyway, I'm not trying to go to do re- episode by episode. I did want to start there to show kind of where we're going this season. Another thing I will say as much as I did enjoy it overall, and especially like the ending, I don't feel the style was there as much as the first season. Like there was little touches, little moments that were neat and stylized. Um, but overall it was very plot heavy. We were trying to figure out why uh, Loki was um, unstuck in time. We were trying to figure out how to save the TVA. And that's the time loom thing. It's like, how do you control all of these branches now that the sacred timeline is allowed to just run rampant. And, you know, the TVA is not used to doing that. And so of course what happens when an organization loses their leadership, you have a power vacuum, you have all this political and military uprisings and all this stuff. And that's what we see play out over the first few episodes. So you get to go to a couple cool little alternate worlds. Uh, they go to like this, what was it like world war two? I don't know. Sort of, sort of like big fifties, Hollywood, Yeah, Uh, honestly, I felt like it was honest. If it had been just, I don't know, it kind of made me think of Dark Deco, yeah, which where everything looks like it's like the almost like it's the fifties, but there's technology and right, there was technology. So yeah, they weren't trying for the time period, but that look, and it was all about this steampunk. What was the? Do you remember the character? The movie uh, was about. Do you remember the character that that uh, agent played? I cannot. Oh, I can't it. remember. But oh. if someone will, if will, if will offboard brain that for a second, I like that episode because it explored this. It's not even D list, honestly. This is like Z list. Like it's a deep <laughs> cut in Marvel lore. What was the? Did anybody find the name? It's like a monster. Well, anyway. I'm looking for X Five's movie here. Yeah. Anyway, so they use this like. This, this TVA agent goes off and wants to like see his life because basically what they find out in I think the beginning of that season is all TVA agents are actually from branch timelines and they were sort of variants that then got recruited and he who remains recruited them and then wiped their memory of all their past lives or life or whatever. So they don't know who they are, where they came from. So this agent is X five. Uh, he runs off and says, you know what? Fuck this. I'm going to go hide in a branch timeline. I'm going to have my life. I'm going to go live my life. I'm going to do my thing. And so that episode was kind of odd because it was like, it was the, it was Morpheus to Owen Wilson. Fantastic. And, uh, Loki. And they were like chasing down this rogue agent. Cause they thought that he could be like, you know, he'd give him a lead on Sylvie. So it would kind of put them in like the bad guy position almost. And there was a scene at the end, especially where they were kind of torturing, uh, or, or implying they were going to torture X five. So it was a weird episode. Not what I would have necessarily like, you know, put forward. It feels just a weird energy. Right. Um, but that, at least the scenes in the parallel world were kind of 
fun. Um, and of course it ends with him finding Sylvie and she's at McDonald's in Broxton in the eighties, which love that all, like all of that. But again, red herring didn't really matter. Didn't really play out in any meaningful way. There was no like other than as an Easter egg. So that's the thing. A lot of the stuff in the season, a few things played through. And then that was like another Easter egg. Um, I don't know, BJ, what, what did you think? Were there any episodes that stood out to you that you really enjoyed? Um, honestly, it's, it's one of those rare occurrences where the first episode and the last episode to me were kind of perfect. Like, like the first episode of the, the thing is the series is called Loki and you, when you do a lot of, (laughs) when you do a lot of, um, when you have a cast of a certain number, you know, especially when it's characters you all like, you, you wonder if you're going to lose exactly what the show is about. But for, for me, episodes one and two, especially with honestly, this show, I almost feel like they should have just never had a season two and just had like somehow just finished the whole thing as one big season. Because, like, with the panic of season one, with trying to figure out what's going on with Loki, with Loki coming full circle and understanding like what he can do and what he has to do to pr- not just to protect. Like that, not just to kind of save the people he cares about because he has people he cares about now and understands that, but to understand what his glorious purpose that he's always wanted to do. And it's not something that was given to him. It's not something that he took. It's something that he earned. It's something that he realized he needed to do for not just him but for everybody and and right. that and that for me gives me the war- like loki had a lot of warm fuzzy feelings <laughs> loki had a lot of warm fuzzy feelings like throughout like thor ragnarok when him and thor are are talking in the elevator and he's like he's like he realizes he does love his brother that he misses his family but and the the where he gets to see his entire life, like in the TVA, when he's like worried about Mobius and like cares about Mobius, he's he wants Sylvie to be okay. But like that moment where you see him not only getting what he wants, but earning what he wants, just like like and they and they they've from what I can tell, they're done with the character. Well, back up, back up. I, I, I was worried you were going down into the full rabbit hole here. So, no. so yes, Loki's arc in this and the whole season series is, is redemption, right? He's coming from this. He was a bad guy and he is learning to have friends and to do things the right way and to work with the team and then sacrifice is kind of where you're headed. Right. So like throughout this second season, I think what, they tried to do is paper. I mean, they did in the first season for sure, but second season, they tried to like sprinkle that in. So he has these character moments. You see how much he cares about the different characters that he's becoming close with, especially Mobius, Sylvie. Um, the, I don't know. I think those two principally there, yeah, the rest is a little bit, but not, you know, super much. And then there's events that transpire, which again, very MacGuffin. It's the time loom. Oh my God, it's blowing up. 
that they then have to figure out, okay, well, we need to get uh, another Kang variant to unlock the magic screensaver to unlock the, you know, whatever to, to, to get to the loom. And this is where you bring in uh, he who shall not be named. I don't know. I forgot his, uh, what's his name? Um, Victor Timeline. Jonathan, Jonathan Majors. Yes. Jonathan Majors uh, accused of whatever, whatever on trial. Uh, Jonathan Majors, who I love. I do like him as an actor. I hope that none of the stuff that they said happened, happened, that he didn't do the stuff they said he did. But Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Uh, yeah, he's in it, and uh, he's not he who remains at first. He is Victor Timely, which is a great Marvel deep cut that they play with, and you get Renslayer back, you get Miss Minutes back, and so that's probably my favorite episode is when they get into the world's fair and I think it was Chicago, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that was pretty cool. Any world's fair moment in time. is just kind of a cool, weird, uh, point in history. So anyway, that episode, I think there were two that they kind of ran around in that era, maybe one. And then they just had a little extra great fun, good adventure, good time travel period, doctor who basically sort of moment. And that is what kind of spring loads you into the machinations of, Okay, now that he's got Victor Timely, how do we save the everything? And there is in like so it's like was eight episode season. The last three episodes, I think four. Wait, no, eight, six, seven, and eight. I guess maybe I don't know. Was it actually was it eight or was it six? I mean, it may have been less. Six episodes. Um, six it was episodes. Six okay, episodes. I was gonna say eight didn't sound right. Six. So four, five, and six. Fully half the season, and and then the first episode because it's kind of related are all about this plot to save the multiverse or something. Right. And so you go through this gyration of, okay, well we have the guy, we need to save the thing. Okay. Now we got to do it in time. Oh wait, stuff happens. Okay. Now we're ready to go. Hijinks. Everything falls apart. Everything blows up. So that was a pretty big shock at the end of season or at the end of episode four. I didn't expect that. I don't know. BJ, Pat, did you guys, when you watched that, were you like, Oh, that's that's a thing because I think they cut very hard and then the credits were like very minimal music I mean they really did a nice job of like subverting at least I I think most people's expectations because when that kind of scene happens you think oh they're gonna they're gonna do the thing and move on they're not gonna fail spectacularly and everything blows up right oh no no yeah no I I I was it was a really good subversion but I definitely was like Oh, okay. We're doing that. All right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
So, so you move on from that season, uh, episode five, evidently, whatever they wrote originally, uh, they had to scrap the whole thing. And I don't know what that is because they're not going to tell you, but basically they had this whole thing they had written and, uh, yeah, they couldn't do it because Marvel's like, nope. So they had to rewrite it, I guess, in like a night, uh, cause television's always like freaking crazy, you know, production, uh, you know, just see your pants, like get it done. Um, so episode five was kind of like. Eh, everyone kind of scattered because basically when you lose, when you leave the TVA, when you get kicked out, so to speak, you go back to your branch. And if the branches are there, cool, you can live your life and be, do your thing. So it was neat to see like where all these agents came from. And then of course, Loki being the God and having this time slipping thing happening, has the agency then to like put everything back together and try to like fix everything. And he tries to do it one way. It doesn't work. And then he kind of has like that realization that, Oh, this is like my new superpower. I have more than I realized here. And evidently everyone on the freaking internet decided at that moment, Oh my God, he's the God of stories now, which I didn't read the agent of Loki agent of, was it Loki agent of chaos agent of something, whatever that. Yeah, I Loki- think so. It was Al yeah. Ewing, and I love Al Ewing. I just, for some reason, I didn't read it. But evidently, in the Marvel comics, Loki is no longer bad guy or whatever. He's no longer a trickster. He's the god of stories, and he kind of rewrites narratives, and he's kind of like the, you know, whatever. So, so everyone loses their mind. They're like, oh my god, he's the god of stories. This is going to end with such and such. So, sixth episode, you know, you go in and you're like, well, I don't know. He's got the team back together. He basically like jumped back in time to the moment before everything exploded, and was like, all right, now we get to do it again. But what I love is the montage that they did at the beginning of that episode. Pat, I hope you made it through this part. (laughs) Oh, yeah. No, I was through that. Yeah. The first, like, five minutes of that episode are brilliant. After you don't know what the heck's happening, you don't know what's going to happen, you know, it could be very serious. You you think you're going right on the plot. That montage, and it's just, it's time travel ridiculousness at its best. It's Loki redoing, redoing. It's like playing the game Braid which is probably a really old reference now, but like you just keep undoing, rewind, rewind, go back, go back further, go back further, learn all of particle physics, physics that you need to, to build the whole damn system. Like whatever you can do to save time and make it faster and get this thing done. And so that was great. Love that. And then of course, you know, that doesn't work because it's like, no, it's not going to work, which is one of those moments where you're like, okay, well, if you already knew that this was going to happen, like time, the, the timeline's going to branch infinitely. Like, why would you ever think that the loom could handle it? Like, it's just, that was like one of those beats where you're sitting there like, well, I'm nobody thought of this. <laughs> like no one realized that it wouldn't, that it wouldn't work. Like, you know, anyway. Um, so then the sort of another kind of controversial, but they, you know, they bring Jonathan majors back. He's he who remains. So you get that whole interaction. So they kind of recap and sort of bring back to the moment from season one where he has to really confront the reality that it's an unwinnable problem. It's the Kobayashi Maru. It's the whatever, like there's no solution. He either kills Sophie or he saves, uh, or he, or he keeps a sacred timeline. So there's no path to bring the multiverse back. There's no path to save his friends effectively without killing Sophie and without. Yeah. So, I mean, all that it's pretty shit. Right. And then you go into the very, very final stuff and, I think that is where the show really kind of redeemed itself. That that final episode, BJ, like you said, I think that mm-hmm. was a great culmination of Loki's arc down to the point of struggling with knowing what's the right decision. How do I save everyone? 
how do I not kill Sophie? I mean, all, all of it's right there. And I just did. I didn't see it coming. I mean, obviously, I thought, yeah, maybe he'll take this place of he who remains or he'll do whatever. Fine. Maybe that that kind of always was out there in the ether. But like, you just didn't know how. And it is not the way it, you thought. Like, I didn't I didn't expect this whole crazy transformation into primal or whatever Loki looks like, you know, as a god pulling all of the threads of fate into a freaking world tree. I mean, that was that was awesome. That was pretty proud of that visually and everything that made that I loved every second of that. Yeah. So, you know, what does this mean now? Is Loki gone? Is he off the table? Is there a Loki season three? All these things people are asking and writing think pieces about because they get idiots like me to click on them. Um, I think it's fair to say that Tom Hiddleston has made his statement with Loki and I would not expect to see Loki back anytime soon. I do not expect to see a season three. However, the writers of the show said just because Loki's kind of off the table or doing his thing doesn't mean you can't do the TVA. TVA is still very much a entity out there. There's lots of stories you can tell. Yep. The multiverse is a living organism. Now there's all of these things that the Marvels are going to do. Like there's just stuff to go with. So yeah, I I'm excited to see what comes of this and I would love to see more TVA stuff. But honestly, if Loki's done, he had a great arc. He's got a good, like very, you know, important place now. So I think it's good. I liked it. I don't know. What do you think? I mean, <laughs> what did I miss? Did we miss anything? I think that was probably no, more I think than I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say halfway through, I was just like, I thought you said you didn't want to go episode by episode. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't entirely, but there's only six. So you kind of did. Yeah. Anyway, but, but, uh, Pat, did you like it overall from what you saw? It was fine. Honestly, <laughs> I no, I, I look, he's not my, my jam. It was fine. Um, when you introduce Ouroboros and you essentially say, Anything that we need, we just go back in time and give it to ourselves. I was kind of like that. You were just taking plot convenience and making it your entire premise for season two. Um, so that was I, I was like, it just kind of felt a little unearned and unwarranted. Um, Obi was a great character. Um, I also didn't understand how all of a sudden I'm supposed to have like the care that like B-15 and all of them are like, we're killing millions of people. And these are people like, did you not think these were people beforehand? Yeah. When you were doing this, like it was a very weird thing to all of a sudden, like that was the crux of why they couldn't prune branches anymore. These are real people. We, they were real people beforehand. Well, and it's funny because they're not killing them, right? They established in season one. They're just sending them to the void, which has got that Eliath monster, whatever. But you know, they're not dead they're just in the I mean, void you're, you're damning them that's i mean yeah, you're essentially you're, you're wiping them out yeah i mean um, my thing is is the 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 first season it felt like within the tva there was almost like a religious zealotry it was it was very like a lot of the the thing that bothered me about the tva is that they treat variants like it's their fault yeah like it's their fault that they made a different decision when they don't understand like you know you don't understand like that's what you're doing so they there was just a very like you're going to be punished for like in sylvie's case like existing so yeah yep it's but i loved i honestly i loved it i'm i'm completely fine with them cutting it off here and us not seeing loki till like secret wars so agreed yeah, I mean, it, it was fine. 
I, I, I did not, I didn't hate it. I watched, you know, everything. Um, I, I just, my only other thing was I, I, I must've missed the part where it said that they went back to their, the timeline that they came from, that they were pruned out of or taken out of, because I was like, how did, like, how do we know that these, these versions of the character are the ones that are his friends? Like that just felt oh, yeah. a little weird. I they liked did. how they were, there were stories, like there were stories behind them, but Overall, overall, it, it was a, uh, a a pretty good season two. So, let us know what you all think about Loki season two, Loki's future. Um, Tom Hiddleston apparently has said to a major outlet, I forget, they might have been Variety, that it'd be unwise to count out his future with the MCU. Take that for what it's worth, or or I nobody knows right now. Lots could happen, uh, but. This also wasn't the Loki that uh, went through, had a whole redemption arc, and died saving his brother. So, you know, this is a different Loki for us. We'll see what happens in the future. But let us dive into the other piece of the Marvel spectrum. Um, That is my topic, and Brian alluded to this before. But I went and saw the Marvels. I went and saw the film on opening weekend and with the amount of toxic men online talking shit about this film, there was lots of seats to be had. God, (laughs) Jesus. It's Ghostbusters 2016 all over again. Absolutely. And uh, I was able to find a film showing. It was earlier. It was like 1145 on a Sunday, but there were only, I think, maybe about eight other people um, in the theater with me. Overall, uh, I thought it was amazing. So I will give you a little recap in case you were unfamiliar with such a film. The Marvels is a 2023 American superhero film based on Marvel Comics, produced by Marvel Studios and distributed by Walt Disney Studios Motion Pictures. It's a sequel to the film Captain Marvel from 2019, a continuation of the television miniseries Ms. Marvel 2022 and the 33rd film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the MCU. Um, It's also a slight continuation or an extension of Secret Invasion and WandaVision as well. So lots to uh, read if if, uh, you want to go in knowing everything, then this is a, you know, there's a lot to kind of watch beforehand before going into this film. So it features the, uh, it was directed by Nia DaCosta, who co-wrote the screenplay with Megan McDonald and Elisa Karasik. And it features Carol Danvers, aka Captain Marvel, Monica Rambeau, who, according to uh, what I've seen online on the popcorn containers at the movie theaters, is listed as Photon, but never called that in the movie. Um, And Kamala Khan as your three main characters, with Brie Larson, uh, Tiana Paris, and Iman Vellani as those three characters respectively also has lots of uh, additional co-stars sam uh, samuel l jackson uh kamala khan's family all these great people that are included in it and um it essentially continues right from the end of ms marvel backs it up just a little bit kind of retells that story and uh overall if you are listening to the shit that's being said online if you're using that as your guidepost on whether or not you should see this film, do not. Do not. Um, because 
this film was super freaking fun. And I'm not sure, I think Brian mentioned it kind of in, in speaking about Loki, whether it's expectation management, whether it is people really just expect these films to be cinematic masterpieces that they don't need to be because they're comic book films. <laughs> like there's so many yeah. things about it that I just don't well, understand. I think they're expecting every single one to be Endgame again. And it's I, not going to be. That, that's 100% yeah. what it feels like 90% of the time. Every Everybody compares. If a Marvel movie doesn't do exactly what they want it to do, they immediately go to Endgame because they're like, that movie did everything I wanted. So I want every single one to do the same thing. And I'm like, but it's not. And I've had this discussion. I had this discussion with a friend of mine who was watching like uh, Hawkeye on Disney Plus. And he was just like, how do we go from like universe stuff to like the?" And I'm like, because this story doesn't take place in space. This story takes place in New York and deals with organized crime. Like, if you don't like those types of stories, don't watch it just because it has the Marvel symbol on it. Doesn't mean like, you know, read the premise. You don't, don't expect in game every single time you see a Marvel movie. And, and then on top of that, I just, that. Yeah. On, on top of that, don't shit on everything else because it's not what you want to see, you know? And that's what, exactly. that's what really frustrates me is it, this then this movie's not for you then don't sit there and be like don't review bomb don't go like you know just because you were butthurt because brie larson fucking called out fucking toxic men years ago then just fuck you this isn't for you <laughs> it's it's crazy they they expect every marvel movie to be for them but yes. these are the same people that don't go and read every Marvel comic book. These Obviously, are the people. Because these are the same people who would be shitting on the Captain Marvel comic book. Well, obviously, if you don't like the Captain Marvel character in the comic books, why would you like the Captain Marvel character in a movie? So why are you seeing it? Yeah, they're, exactly. they're also the same people that sit there and go, you don't need to change the gender or the race. Create your own characters, and then when those characters get created, they're like, "Oh, why well, you got to put your woke agenda into the into these movies with our characters?" Which way do you want it? Do you want us to fucking gender swap and race swap, or create new characters, <laughs> or do we do both, or, or do we not just do anything and just fucking exist? It's, it's, these two it's, exist. It's Captain that's Marvel was actually a Captain Marvel was actually a guy. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, for two seconds, Carol Danvers has been Captain Marvel for forever now. That yeah, that's it. it it's uh, it's that TikTok video where it's just like it's like representation this, representation that. If you don't like it, make it yourself. Okay, what? Like <laughs> I've I've got this storyline over here with like diverse characters and like a story that includes everybody. So I'm gonna make that. No. What do you mean? No, <laughs> it's just like I don't. It's just like it doesn't have me in it, and I don't like it when things aren't about me. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. and yeah, that's just you know. And I like I said, if you don't like it, you don't like it. That's that's completely valid, you know. But like, don't force other people to not like something because you don't absolutely. Like it. Yeah. So to give a little summary, we're not. So this is 
we normally we we spoil the hell out of everything. We are not going to do the big things, um, especially the the mid credit scene. Which I get we're not gonna t- we're not gonna tell everybody how the the giant man in the ocean woke up. <laughs> one day he'll get his Everyone started time. paying attention to the giant man in the ocean again. <laughs> we're not day. gonna one- tell everybody that. No, no. One day he'll get his story. One day. Um, which I, the funny part was as I was sitting there in the movie theater, I Googled how many post-credit scenes does the Marvels have? And it lied to me because it said two. And oh, I sat no. through the entire credits. Oh, no. And then there was nothing. There was like some <laughs> cat meowing. And I was like, I feel like the post, the mid-credit scene was pushed into the end of the film. And then the mid credit scene should have been the oh, post-credit yeah. scene. Oh, yeah, yeah, Because yeah, it yeah. technically was yeah. like there were two scenes. One just happened to occur before the credits even rolled, and then the other one was a mid-credits. So we're not going to talk about those. But as an overview of what is going on, um, we have Darben, who is the new leader of the Kree, essentially uh a a female version of Ronin. She has the universal weapon looking for something. Turns out to be a quantum band, the other to Ms. Marvels. Um in doing this search for the quantum bands, opens up this jump point portal type of thing. And Monica with Saber is investigating one jump point. Carol is investigating a different one on a different planet and Kamala having the other quantum ban. Essentially there's an entanglement that happens. We've seen this in the trailer. Everybody should kind of already gotten this feeling their powers get entangled. And when they use them, they swap places, uh, chaos and hilarity ensue. So you're incorporating saber, the Cree scroll peace talks that come from the end of secret invasion. And, the uh, emotional beats of the, you know, continuing on from the first Captain Marvel movie where Carol doesn't have all of her memories. You've got Monica still dealing with not having seen Carol four years and growing up without her coming back from the blip, her mom dying of cancer. Lots of emotional beats there. Kamala's family is a joy and a delight. You've got Goose, who is uh, still flirking about and eating things with her tentacles. Um, I don't know if I knew that Goose was a female cat before this movie. Uh, and I, I, I don't know if I really want to dive too much in. Uh, Hala, the, the homeworld of the Kree, is essentially things happened. Carol fucks some shit up. And Hala is dying, which leads to Darben wanting to uh, restore her, her homeworld. And uh, essentially ends up uh, because Carol took a, was killing her people in essence by making their homeworld inhospitable. She wants revenge. Some of this stems from what Thanos said, like resources and certain planets not being able to sustain themselves. Like, I mean, yeah, Carol kicked off like some issues there, but honestly, some of this is from what Thanos warned about. 
certain planets are going to have resource issues and then it's going to cause other problems elsewhere. So I felt like that was just a natural continuation from one of the things he was like, resources are finite. To me, it felt felt a little like it was alluded to something that happened during the Civil War caused the issues. So it it wasn't like naturally resources dwindled based on population growth. Um, But yeah, that Civil War was kicked off by Carol and we finally see kind of what Carol was doing right after the original Captain Marvel movie between that and Infinity yeah, and, War. And, and we also understand why she just is kind of ghosts everybody. <laughs> like that was a nice little explanation because from every any post-credit scene, especially from Shang-Chi, she's like, she's like, Bruce has my number. He'll give me a call. And he's like, I don't have her number. She always does that. I <laughs> Like the fact that she's she's always running off doing something, and now we kind of have an idea of what she's been doing. So I really I I liked that it gave her character some more depth and kind of made her less of a ghosting character. Yeah, no, you, I I absolutely agree with you there, and it's you know it's tough because I'll say this: uh, one of the big things that I've seen is, or one of the big complaints i've seen is it's another forgettable villain first of all most of our comic book villains are kind of forgettable they don't always have a very fleshed out background unless they're a major villain your dr dooms your galactus and even galactus really isn't that fleshed out galactus just needs to eat and live um (laughs) but thanos um and even then thanos just wanted to thanos was just horny and that's why he wanted to kill half the world. Like, really, that's what his his motivation was. They made him, they gave him better motivation in the movies than they have in the comics for most of the stuff. But I, I, I get that. And the, you know, Darben is, is a little bit like, oh, here is, you know, like, here's somebody that we've inserted for something that makes sense for kind of everything. My other, if we had a movie that focused heavily on the plot of the villain... Yes, they can work. I mean, we've all seen Black Panther and we love Black Panther. Killmonger, they did a great job with it. But it was also a more human re- reaction and response. And I think it was easier for us to understand where Killmonger comes from. I don't... like. I I I, I Was Darben an amazing villain? No. Will I remember her in another year or two? Probably not. Do I think it was overall a bad story? No, I thought it made sense. Did I need to know more? Did I really need to empathize with her? Probably not. I was still going to be rooting for the Marvels anyway. But I, I, I can kind of see that. I, the, the, the villains are never the strong point of, or not never. The villains usually are not the strong point of the film. And that's because they're comic book films where most of the time, as in comics, the villains are just the opposite of the hero. You don't really dive into that. There isn't much to, to need, that you need to know. They are just opposite of what's going on, which is why we have uh, Darren Cross in Ant-Man you know, becoming Yellow Jacket. It's like it's always you know those similar powers. But I think I was able to care less about that 
because of the warmth, because of the heart, because of the family aspect of it. Seeing yeah. the cons. But what about the pros? <laughs> Boo. Boo. Pat, did you freeze? Yeah, I stopped talking because I saw you going to say something. Oh. Oh, fucking A. So did you miss my joke then? I did. (laughs) Everybody's everybody's just going to have to see me there. You'll love it when you hear it when you're editing. (laughs) Yeah, because I'm going to have to fucking edit this episode because my fucking internet won't fucking stay stable. Um... Yeah, everybody, do me a favor. Tell your roommate to quit uh, downloading porn. Chris, stop downloading porn. It's making the (laughs) internet unstable. Um, yeah, we just have everybody just send me your audio, download your own audio, and then like the Dropbox or Google Drive it if you wouldn't mind. Um, Yeah. Anywho, um, what was the last thing y'all said? Oh, uh, you were you were said. I would. I love the con. Uh, I love the cons. And then he responded with, "But what about the pros?" Um, and I said, "Boo." So, <laughs> but no, I love them too. The, having the family aspect, you have the whole thing with Carol and Monica, kind of healing themselves, like healing their family dynamic, um, understanding why why they both are kind of avoiding each other. You've got Kamala who comes in like. I love her so much. She yeah. just like the fact that she just walks over and just starts hugging Monica and Monica's just kind of like, what do I do? <laughs> like, and then she like, looks over at Carol and she's like over here. I cried. I, they were like two times during this film that I actually cried. And that was one of them. Yeah. The, the, the whole, the whole warm family aspect. And then you've got uncle Nick Fury just trying to keep it together. Um, I, I, but I loved it. I loved, I loved that kind of warm. It's the same warm family feeling I got with Miss, uh, Miss Marvel. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, it was just, it was so much, it was just so much fun, like watching them interact and the, uh, especially when they're practicing trying to use their powers. The training um, montage was so little, good. The yes. training montage because they did some really cool stuff with them switching when they use their powers at the same time. They did some really cool stuff with that. So, but yeah, no, the chemistry between the three of them that was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, overall, I, I, I went into this movie not really knowing what to expect, but being really kind of looking forward to seeing it because I did love. Um, Monica and I did love Kamala and I liked Captain Marvel. Like I'm not like I'm not mad about her portrayal. I, she is kind of the hard ass of the group, but that's just they, that's the way they've written the character. But the way that they used Kamala as a linchpin with the group to then also soften and repair the bonds and show that the heart family and all of that like really just made them work together and work well and that that was kind of what they needed all along i thought it was fantastic i I really is it a perfect movie no um are there adorable cats yes Um, they're all flirkins (laughs) that is correct they were all flirkins (laughs) the the um when they're running around saber and there's the announcement that is 
uh, attention all Saber employees, please stop running and let the Flurkins eat you. <laughs> I was like, this is the most ridiculous thing in the world. And then even Carol coming back and then talking and then going, ooh, kitties, and then running like and then scooting, scooting away was was phenomenal and like oh we're literally hurting cats like there was it honestly i haven't had this much fun in a marvel movie in a while and i haven't disliked a lot of the movies quantum mania probably was my last like mm, this isn't my favorite but this was just yeah. so much fun any other major takeaways or uh kind of like things that you didn't love about the marvels um everything with the trio was really strong like you've already said um i would say the a plot definitely was so much stronger than the b plot everything happening on the space elevator and space station um except that we got baby flurkins like that that was the standout of the b plot (laughs) I mean, once the first egg showed up, I'm like, oh, I know exactly what this is. Oh, I didn't. I didn't. No. I, I was, yeah, that caught me off guard. I was like, oh, she's been eating all the pillows. She's nesting. God. She... I should have um, realized it when, when uh, Kamala's mom was like, uh, she's getting kind of pudgy. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> I should have um, known. And. I didn't necessarily think that the water planet was super strong. Yeah. The the fight was fine. But and I mean them getting to tease Carol was fantastic. Um the whole musicality of it. I don't know if that's the way that planet is portrayed in the comics. I would assume so. I have but no idea. Because the prince is a character in the comics. Oh, okay. Um, I just know that from seeing articles. I don't. I've never read any comics that he's been in. But, um, yeah, the singing yeah. was kind I've, of it felt weird and out of place. It just felt so short. Like they spent so much other, like so much more time with the scrolls. And yeah. that ambush, that the water planet felt like they cut it down. And then and... they were just like, deuces, bye. <laughs> yeah, and then it's like, oh, well, guess did, they're fucked. Never mind. Did all the water leave? Did they, did they save any? I don't know. <laughs> and I mean, it's not, like the, it's not like the atmosphere was ripped away from the planet. Yes, 90, was it 98.63% of the, the, the planet's covered in water. I'm sure there's going to be some real bad impacts from that. But they're probably still alive, at least yeah. enough that you can go and send ships and get them off the planet to somewhere else. They it just felt they like they were above al- water, so yeah. they should be okay. It's not like it was n- Namor and Atlantis where everything was underwater and that's where they live, and now the water's gone. It just yeah, that felt like a little bit of a plot hole that maybe was a reshoot issue where they were like, oh, we're just gonna cut away from this, and now we're on another scene. Keep it moving. Yeah, that transition into stealing Earth's sun was quick. That pacing was not yeah. very well done. So that's yeah, I, I, I concur. 
I did like the singing. I did like the concept. I just wish it was a little more fleshed out. But I will, I, so I'm not going to spoil anything, but I will say one word and it did kind of come up in the, 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 the first film and it made me so happy in that one word binary. And I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> I'm just going to leave it at binary. Um, but yeah, so uh, flame ratings. BJ had to step away from his microphone for a minute. BJ is giving it a four out of five flames. Eric, what would you give the Marvels? Um, three, three and three quarters flames. Okay. I was, I was kind of toying with that, but I think I'm going to give it a four, four out of five flames, uh, myself. Cause I really did enjoy this movie. I left, I laughed out loud in the theater and it was nice because there weren't that many people. So it was like, Oh, I don't mind if I chuckle <laughs> a little more, uh, <laughs> which is weird to say on opening weekend. But I, I, I think this was a very well done film and uh i'm i'm i urge people to go see it you if you enjoy just lighthearted, but also and the one thing that i did see online that somebody mentioned was unlike love and thunder the heartfelt moments are not then cut away to a joke to immediately break the the heaviness of emotion these let those moments sit there as well and you get to sit in that and have a little bit of that healing with it as well so uh overall i think a a very positive reaction from the three of us that have seen it uh brian will have to uh watch it sooner or later (laughs) this is one that i do recommend quantumania i feel like you can skip i actually uh, watched quantumania i i'm I'm all but caught up although i didn't watch shang chi but yeah i i will watch this later shang chi is (laughs) what shang chi shang chi is so much better than Quantum Mania, and I, I didn't. I, I didn't even. I didn't even think that Quantum Mania was a bad movie. It was just a. Meh. I need to watch it. It's on my. It's it's and you know I honestly didn't finish Eternals either. So it's it's just one of those. Uh, I don't. There's know. a giant Man. man standing out of the uh, poking out of the ocean. <laughs> Evidently, or so I've heard or seen. I did see that part actually, but yeah. Uh, I, I'm an I, Eternals I apologist. I really like the Eternals. I, <laughs> I like what uh, I saw. Eternals was good. Eternals was it amazing? Was a fan- no. It was a dysfunctional was family good. movie. That's what it was. It wasn't a superhero movie. It was a movie about a dysfun- dysfunctional family, essentially. Reconnecting yes. after separating for 100 plus years. But that's yes. that's essentially what Eternals was. It wasn't supposed to be marketed as a superhero movie. No. And, and I will. I, I really enjoyed it. But anywho, that is the Marvels currently playing. Uh, stay for the mid credit scene. Don't stay till the end unless you want to hear Flurkin's meowing um, like I did. But uh, stay for the, the mid credit scene. Opens up a whole other can of worms. And if you can go into seeing the film without being spoiled, I already was a little bit spoiled, but I wasn't prepared for it all. Go and see it. That, that mid credit scene. I'm excited to see what it brings about and uh, what we get from here on out. Dear listeners, thank you so much for listening to another episode. We always appreciate it. Check us out online, flameonshow.com, and uh, keep on doing what you do so we keep on doing what we do. All right, let's do a quick round of one-ups. 
Uh, let's go back around the way we started. Eric, what is your one up? Um, so this new kind of web game, but also it's on uh, the Switch eShop has kind of come out. It's called Suika Game. It's a Japanese kind of fruit puzzle or Tetrisy drop game in that you drop little fruits. They combine to make bigger fruits and you're trying to get to a watermelon uh, without uh, reaching the top of the screen. And it's just kind of a quick, simple, brainless thing. I definitely wasn't playing it while you guys were talking about Loki and I was <laughs> away from the show. For the, fruit for, making for fruit. While you guys recorded that uh, microsode. Um <laughs> <laughs> Give the kids what they want. <laughs> but yeah, Brian, it's uh, Suika, S-U-I-K-A. It's $3 on the Switch eShop. Or hey, you can play it for free in your browser. Yeah, who's going to pay for that? Come on. I'm sure people are. I'm sure somebody will. I Thank you for letting me know what that is, because I do watch a few uh, video game YouTubers. And uh, one of them, who I don't normally watch, I've seen, I've watched a couple of his videos, uh, there was a new video that just came out that was like, I figured out the watermelon game. I had no idea what it was. I would, <laughs> I, not something I would click on. Now I know what it is. Yeah. Awesome. Basically, the reason that you would pay $3 is on the Switch. It'll tell you what the next fruit is going to be. Where if you're playing in the browser, you don't get to see what the next fruit is going oh, to be. Oh, so, microtransaction here. Ugh. I know. One-time microtransaction. <laughs> <laughs> I think we just call those transactions, but hey, <laughs> uh, know what fruit is coming next? Mm-hmm. Coming on you next? Coming to you next? Who knows? <laughs> BJ, what is your one up? My one up is Jesus. Um, no, <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, so uh, just a quick thing: if people haven't figured it out yet, it kind of like blew up and then disappeared uh the right the writer strike and the actor strike are officially over um yep. the yep. actor strike i the actor strike ended i want to say about a week ago um so studios were fucking ready y'all um at, literally at 1201 uh the sequel to ghostbusters afterlife dropped uh frozen kingdom uh, so that trailer dropped. It was convenient because the uh, actor strike lifted right in the middle of uh, Netflix's Geek Week 2023. So they dropped a trailer for Avatar The Last Airbender, the live action um, that was originally headed by the original creators. And then they stepped away. Um, we've got Damsel, uh, which is Millie Bobby Brown's um, action fantasy um, we've got uh, a couple of new trailers. Uh, trailer for Inside Out Two dropped, where uh, they get a couple more emotions. One of them being anxiety. So I honestly can't wait <laughs> to see that. Um, You're not nervous yeah, about I, it at all? Oh no, it's going to definitely wreck me, and it's going to make me cry and make me hate myself. But that's fine. The first one did Boo. too. Um, <laughs> but I'm going to see it. Because I haven't watched, a, I didn't see Elemental, um, so I am. I've been Pixar. I've been Pixar free 
for long enough to be able to watch a Pixar movie and feel feelings. Um, whereas I think Inside Out came out right after Toy Story 3. And I was like, no, you're not doing this to me again. Um, so yeah, so it's uh, right. So because the writer, the actor and writer strike has ended, there's about to be even more trailers. And I'm going to, uh, before this episode drops, I will probably have them all posted up on our Facebook and our socials. Uh, so be on the lookout for that. Uh, Ghostbusters Frozen Kingdom actually looks pretty good. Um, I'm a little bit excited about that. So, uh, yeah, be on the lookout for a bunch of trailers on our Facebook page uh, that I will be working on probably tonight. Sweet. Brian, what you got? A couple things. Doctor Who, uh, first and foremost, uh, as all longtime listeners know, is a huge part of our lives. And we talk a lot about when it exists and is out there in new editions. And this one is a doozy because we get three one hour specials uh, with the 14th Doctor, David Tennant reprising his uh time well reprising not his role exactly because he is a different doctor but his uh his face as a as a doctor uh with Catherine tate who is reprising her her original role as uh donna noble so that's exciting and it's going to be insane and evidently uh, russell t davies is warning kids not to watch one of the episodes because it's really dark so yay and also oh god um Plus, Neil Patrick Harris as the Celestial Toymaker, which is insane, and I love it. And trans actor Yasmeen Finney uh, playing Donna's daughter, uh, Rose, also very epic and excited. So that's coming in like two weeks. Disney and Plus. Jinx will be there, too, at some point. Yeah, yes. I think that's... Or, or, is she, or are they in the next season? Yeah, I think next, Jinx is in, in the season. 15th. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. so basically, we're getting the three specials, then we're getting a Christmas special yay it's back after whatever happened with uh, what's his name uh that just moved it to like a new year special but whatever uh and yeah we're getting the 15th doctor uh shooty gatwa very excited for a openly queer actor to play hopefully a very queerish uh time lord i don't know we'll see i'm, I'm kind of interested now with uh with with him being more open and out uh, as as a as a as a personality as a as a person I don't know so yeah I'm very excited Doctor Who that's like one nice ray of light in my otherwise dark and gloomy world right now uh, additionally some things keeping me sane and just entertained uh, we'll talk probably at some point about the horrors of Dolores Roach it is a uh, Amazon Prime uh, sort of modern send up of Sweeney Todd but set in a Washington Heights. And it involves Pat's favorite food item ever, empanadas, <laughs> filled with uh, uh, human uh, uh, meat, uh, a la Sweeney Todd. So, yeah, I'm very it's I've watched like three episodes. I don't want to talk too much about it. But if that premise sounds interesting, oh, my gosh, it's a fun show. So I, I'm excited for Pat to watch it mostly, but also uh, anyone else who wants to watch it. I'd like to talk about it. Uh, and then finally, uh, what's his name? Nathan for you guy, Nathan Fielder. If you've not seen Nathan for you, or if you've not seen the rehearsal, he is a kind of a cringe comedy. I don't know. There's, there's no good terms for these things these days, but I, I, I think he's closest to cringe comedy uh, involves real people in his stuff, but he's in this new show called uh, the curse on showtime with uh, Benny softy. I think it's Benny who did uh, uncut gems. He's a normally a director, but he's an actor in this playing a director and Emma Stone and Emma and Nathan are like this uh, 
flippanthropists, uh, I think I said that right, uh, trying to uh, sort of help the community by gentrifying uh, this uh, part of San, I think it's Sandy. No, it's not. It must be California. I thought it was uh, New Mexico, but I think it's California. Anyway, it's uh, for only one episode out. Very cringe. And oh, my God, there's moments where I saw things I did not expect to see on a show. Uh, and if you like that kind of thing, if you're interested in sort of meta weird reality show adjacent fiction, uh, <laughs> about gentrification, it's, uh, yeah, you should check it out. It's called the curse. It's on Paramount plus now. Evidently, if you have Paramount plus you get showtime, I guess that's new. I don't, I didn't realize that. So good for you. Paramount plus, um, soon all of them will have merged into one thing called cable. And we will have one channel all over again because it, it seems like we're we're losing streaming services. They're merging, merging, merging. But uh, yeah, Paramount Plus, uh, watch The Curse um, when it comes out. I think it's weekly. Uh, yeah, those are my one-ups. And Showtime is always part of Paramount Plus. It was just oh. a different tier that you could add on that they've now, because I think they raised the price, just went ahead and combined it. Because I when I paid for it last month, I saw that the, that was the first time I noticed that it said Paramount Plus, Paramount Plus plus Showtime. And I went and I checked and I watched or I, I loaded something up from Showtime and it plays. And I was like, oh, I can watch Showtime shows now. Uh, but all that sounds phenomenal. I will just say uh, a more queer doctor because uh, Eccleston was pretty damn uh, queer adjacent and friendly. Yeah. And was all up in Jack's business as well <laughs> in, uh, when he was the doctor. So my favorite doctor. I'm gonna just I'm gonna do some. Uh, uh, I'm an Eccleston apologist as well. <laughs> so, Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> uh, I'll keep mine brief. Oddly, I'll be the brief one. Eric is probably the briefest of all of us. Um, went and saw Kesha on her only love tour. I'm actually wearing my Kesha jacket from my VIP experience. Um, not exactly the jacket I thought I was getting for the money I paid, but anyway, I digress. Um, if she has not played your town yet and you are a Kesha fan, go and see this tour. Um, she's playing some of the biggest songs, uh, some songs that she probably hasn't played in a while, uh, new stuff from the new album and just the outfitting, her entire demeanor is a whole new person. And it is so amazing to see her getting to be who she wants to be without the specter of Dr. Luke and all of that hanging over her. All of that stuff is done. She has recorded her last album under that contract. It's a whole new world for her. Um, She has started having uh, drag queens, local drag queens from the city that she's in, be a part of the show and be uh come out on stage and dance and uh her two dancers have progress pride flags that they bring across the stage they do all the the pride lights colors in the background phenomenal go see it if you have a chance um but my other thing that i want to say is slot which is the first of the vault tracks from 1989 uh taylor's version uh the gaze after the vault was open and the the titles were anagrammed around and figured out that slut exclamation point in print in uh, quotation marks was the a title we're like oh we're in for a banger it's gonna be a dance song we're gonna it's gonna be a, a, a bop it is a fucking great love song and i love it and it's probably my favorite song from the vault tracks 
the vault tracks are all pretty much really good i think suburban legends is probably the, my lowest one the other three are in the middle and then slut is my my favorite um it's a great song i love it and uh if you have enjoyed 1989 taylor's version and you listen to the vault tracks let me know what your favorite is but that will do it for us thank you so much for hanging out with us listening to us talk pop culture and we'll be back in two weeks with another episode of flame on until then bye bitches bye hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.